Welcome to my show, Music Is My Jam. I'm Isabel Richardson, and today we're talking about drummers. I have some special guests with me today, but before we get into that, we have a quick ad. Wait, who's doing the ad? Oh, uh, Brittany? Ooh, Brittany. Yeah, it's, it's Brittany. Brittany, if you're listening to this episode, you can crash on my couch anytime. Um, okay. <laughs> Hi guys, it's Brittany. You know me. Anyway, today I'm promoting eBay, where you can find everything from A to Z. So, if you need an abacus, uh, am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. If you need an abacus, or a zebra rug, or some NSYNC merch, you can find it on eBay. And don't forget to check out my NSYNC merch, okay? It's Brittany with an I. Bye! So, today I have with me... My dad and my grandpa. Hello. Um, Hello. <laughs> they both have played drums in their lives, and they're they like drumming. So they're gonna give us some insight, and um, they're gonna be on the whole episode, and helping me helping me with segments. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's get into it, you guys. Okay. So, do you want to introduce yourselves or anything? My name yeah? is David Richardson. I am Isabel's father. I uh, am a music fan. And uh, way back many years ago, more than I'd like to discuss, I played drums a little bit. Mm -hmm. I probably was just a little bit older than you last time I sat behind a kid. I'm not by any means a drummer, but I know a little bit about drumming, so don't take anything I say as, you know, expert. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's just (laughs) just opinion that I present as fact. Yeah, and I kind of lend it sort of a bridging gap between the really old-style jazz drummers and the drummers of the 60s, which included uh, the Safaris who did Wipeout. By the way, my name is uh, Old School John. I'm David's father and Isabel's grandfather, and I can add a little bit of uh, texture to the the whole uh, aspect of drumming uh, from... From like I said, bridging a gap from the '30s and '40s to the '60s and even '70s. That's good. Good job, guys. So, start off with something simple. Who is your favorite drummer? That's a that's a way loaded question. I'm sorry. <laughs> you mean, it seriously is because you know I I actually in preparation for this I wrote down a list of drummers that I appreciate, uh-huh. and there's two full pages. Oh wow! And so to narrow that down. It's pretty pretty difficult, but like uh, going along with what my dad said, you know his his father had albums from uh, Gene Krupa, and, and we were talking before the podcast started. Gene Krupa was a band leader who was also a drummer. He's mm-hmm. kind of the guy along with Buddy Rich who brought drumming to the forefront. Prior to that, drummers were simple timekeepers for the band. You weren't going to get famous being a drummer. I'm sure mm-hmm. there was there were drummers that were famous within. The uh, musicians' ecosystem, you know, like certain trombones would say, "Hey, yeah, that drummer is a good drummer. I know mm-hmm. him." But the general public wasn't aware of who was doing the drumming on an album or for a band. It was just a guy who was really good at counting. Yeah, uh, there was very little appreciation. So Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, you know, I think modern drummers have a lot uh, owe a lot to those two gentlemen. I'm sure you could. Add a little bit more to well, that. Yeah, what, and you're right, absolutely. They, uh, Gene Cooper in particular, cha- changed the face of drumming. Uh, he made uh, the modern day, what we now consider the modern day drum kit, he kind of assembled that. He made it what it is today using uh, toms, a really great use of the toms and floor tom, and uh, the bass, and also uh, the hi-hat and the cymbals, and he just made it all work as an instrument. and. And uh, it kind of evolved from there. So, and he was right on par with uh, other drummers that, like Buddy Rich, that was mentioned by David. Uh, they had they had a drum uh, warfare sort of going on. They had like a drum contest so they could um, see so you could out drum each other, uh, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting. So, uh, I, I agree that Gene Krupp absolutely changed the face of modern t- drumming, what we can now consider as modern day drumming. He's a pioneer. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad you mentioned Gene Krupa kind of uh, mainstream, mainstreaming the modern kit. If you'd like, I can give kind of a verbal tour of a drum set. Sure, yeah. So uh, from the drummer's view, sitting on the throne, this is for a right-hand drummer. Uh-huh. In front, in between your knees, is the snare drum. The yep. snare drum is that pop 
the downbeat pop. Is that the one with the with your foot, right? No, no, the that's, no. The, the, that's the, the downbeat. Mm-hmm. The downbeat is the kick drum. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. So the snare drum is that popping sound, that high, tss, mm-hmm. not not cymbal, but the crack, almost yeah. like a crack. So that's the, that is the snare drum, mm-hmm. and it is the upbeat, typically speaking. Yeah. Okay, so from there, you have the kick drum, which is operated with your right foot. Mm-hmm. So boom, boom, boom. That's the sets the tempo of the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's referred to typically as the downbeat. It is the first beat in a measure of music. Um, on top of, or very near to, either mounted on top of the bass drum or mounted to cymbal stand hardware adjacent to the bass drum is your tom-toms. You have like usually like a 10 and a 14 inch or a 12 and a 16 inch tom mounted above the bass drum. Mm-hmm. And then to your right is the floor tom, it's the big one. Yep. So it, it uh, frequency-wise, rides between your bass-mounted toms and your kick drum. Yep. Okay, so there's your five-piece drum set. Snare, kick drum, three toms, five-piece. On top of that, you have your cymbal set. Mm-hmm. To the drummer's left, usually played crossed over with his right hand, yep. is the hi-hat that is operated with your left foot. It is normally open. Yeah. And you can operate it, you kick with your left foot, and it closes. It yep. makes like a, the cymbal sound. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, drummers typically keep that closed and use it to play eighth or sixteenth notes in a measure. Okay. Okay, then you have above the, the hi-hat, above the tom-toms, and a little to the left of tom-toms, you have a crash cymbal. Crash cymbal is that emphatic psh, Yeah. That's usually done with, in conjunction with, a stroke on your bass drum, on your kick drum. So mm-hmm. kick drum... And it, it adds emphasis. It's also used in fill-ins. Yeah, and then you have, to your right, a ride symbol. It's a big symbol, and it's got a lot of resonance in it. Mm-hmm. And you'll, if you ever hear it, if you know what I'm talking about, listen for a song that has somebody playing a ride symbol, you're going to hear it. It, it. it keep resonating. You're riding it. You've mm-hmm. got that sh- shimmery sound. Yeah. It kind of deteriorates slowly. It shimmers off. And you can play... Uh, up and down that ride and get different sounds. So you play up towards the bell and it has a real kind of clear, less resonant sound. Mm -hmm. And you play towards the lip and you get that kind of shimmery. So that's basically the drum set. What you're doing is you're setting the tempo for the song. Yeah. So you're playing, you you know, you can read music. So you take a measure of music and quarter notes and Mm -hmm. you have your your, uh, backbeat or downbeat. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four. Two, three, four. So your kick drum with your foot mm-hmm. and your snare drum with your left hand. And while that's happening, that's just a basic beat. Yeah. Obviously, you can uh-huh. you can change that. With your right hand or your left hand, you're also playing eighth or sixteenth notes. Sixteenth note takes two hands. I'm gesturing wildly, but you can't tell on the podcast. But I'm sitting here, everyone's looking at me like I'm an Italian or something, just going crazy. So you're playing you're playing quarter notes with your uh-huh. hand, with your foot and your left hand, and you're playing eighth notes are faster or slower or a you know different pitch different different frequency or whatever however you want to say it yeah with your right hand on the cymbals that's keeping the beat and the tempo keeping time for the yeah. band for the music uh-huh. for the listeners it's important because we don't know what the subconsciously what attracts us to music is time yeah then you have fills so you'll hear somebody they usually start at the snare drum pop 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 and they work their way around the drum set that's called a fill a fill happens when you are transitioning into usually a bridge or chorus of the song. Yeah. So that's basically what his drummer's doing. So after he plays a fill, he has to come back to exactly the way that beat was playing, played before. Wow. So that's kind of what a drummer does. Yeah. And hopefully uh, I explained it well and people in your audience can yeah. kind of appreciate that there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're basically using both feet and both hands all at the same time yeah. and keeping perfect time. So it's, it takes a lot of coordination and uh, rhythm. Yeah. All right. So anyways, I, I diverged a little bit, but what were we talking okay. about? Favorite drummer. I, oh, favorite I feel kind of dumb because I was going to say Ringo Starr, but... Oh, Ringo Starr's a good drummer. Yeah. I, Is he your favorite drummer? Yeah. Then he's your favorite well, See, uh, I, was, I thought of somebody else too. I forgot who it was. Um, but I think Ringo did a really good job being the drummer. I mean, like... Paul and like George and John, they could all drum, but it was kind of like a more basic kind of drumming, I think. But Ringo was more um, advanced, I guess. They did when he um, had to go to the hospital, I think, for his tonsils. 
they had a replacement drummer for a bit. And apparently, I forgot his name. Apparently, he didn't keep, like, the beat with the songs. And even after the song ended, he would keep going. And what I think I appreciate about about Ringo is that he, his, basically, his motto was to um, keep with the band. You know, follow what the band's doing. You know what I mean? Like, not try to take the show. He was behind them, you know. Well, that's the, maybe, maybe one of the drummer's priorities along with keeping time is serving the song. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why typically, before Gene Krupa, drummers were always in the background because that was their job was Mm -hmm. to provide. So so often what they would just have is just a bass and a snare drum and that's about it. Mm -hmm. Ringo Starr um, was a technical drummer. And like you said, he he uh, he made the band sound better. For someone like Gene Krupa, interestingly enough, he could not read music. Mm. He just learned uh, naturally how to play the drums, and he made it an instrument. So he was uh, more of an artist, where Ringo Starr was more of a technician, and excellent technician, and able to uh, really help the band and and. Uh, Make that what the Beatles what they were in terms mm-hmm. of keeping the beat and yeah. uh, and complimenting he really complimented the rest of the artistry of the uh, the others in the band but um, interestingly and interestingly enough Gene Krupa was uh, couldn't read music and was making a drum uh, almost a solo instrument mm-hmm. at at that time so they like two different schools uh, very British. And proper was Ringo, ironically, coming from Britain. I don't think he was as influenced by the jazz movement as people here in America would have been. But because you get into some of the even more modern drummers, like the 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 you probably remember the the uh, hit Wipeout, mm-hmm. which was drums and guitar by the Safaris. That was one of the most famous drum solos. Uh, it mm-hmm. was made into a, a top ten hit. And uh, that was influenced, I think, a lot by Gene Krupa, and that was in the 60s. Uh, so they, this, the uh, safaris came out with Wipeout. And everybody who learns how to play the drums, first thing they do is learn how to play Wipeout. Yeah. And it's really just rudiments, but it's just something that you have. It takes a lot of uh, ability to be able to, to do that. So. Almost like an internal internal clock, because that, that particular... Um, that particular, that's not even a beat. It's it's just it's just a roll on a tom tom, an extended roll. But uh, you're 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 emphasizing uh, beats with your right hand and varying the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. So to get it right, it's it, you 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 play it faster than you could read music. If you're able to read that, it's almost like you were you'd have to uh, memorize it. And it's just it's just yeah. more internal. It just you go and once you get it, you kind of got it. But it, it's it's a really cool beat and a lot or cool roll, I guess. Yeah, a cool piece that, uh, like Dad says, every aspiring young drummer attempts to tackle to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. So, talking about a favorite drummer, yeah, I, I, I think instead of favorite drummer, I think first I'd like to talk a little bit about maybe some of the recognized best drummers. So, taking it from uh, Gene Krupa. Uh, you know, big band era, mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather's music to my dad, the Safaris, the Ventures, mm-hmm. uh, Ringo Starr. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Levon Helm. I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the band. It's the, the so. band. Uh, Levon Helm played played the drums and was the lead vocalist. Oh. And he had a very, very... Um, if you ever watch him play, just so loose and relaxed. Yeah. And you almost have to be to be able to play drums and sing at the same time. You yeah. have to really know what you're doing. Another Karen Carpenter, I was about to say, <laughs> and and, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of guys would turn their nose up, but she was an accomplished drummer. She was really good and a fantastic vocalist. She played the drums well and sang extremely well. That's that's talent. Yeah. Um, another. Guy that I know you're familiar with, Charlie Watts, the drummer for the Rolling Stones. He was a mm. jazz drummer in Britain in the early '60s, and he got scouted by the band. They wanted him. And if you watch Charlie Watts play, you'll know this. You watch the guy play; it's like he's a rug on Valium. His, his face never changes expression. Uh-huh. He never gets excited. He's just back there, keeping absolute perfect time all the time. And he's just a good drummer, hmm. but he's got that jazz background, so he kind of blended 
from from the big band Gene Krupa ish era into modern rock and roll. Um, going back into more of that classic rock, uh, you know, John Bonham, the drummer for Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Probably, if you were to ask a hundred musicians, ninety eight of them are going to say he's the greatest drummer that ever lived. I uh, died young at a very young age. Yeah. He, um, I, I was going to mention like a. One of my questions was like a song that had a really good um, beat to it, and I was gonna mention, um, I think it's called "Dire Maker" by Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. I was gonna mention that. I like yeah. I like the beat and the drum in that, that song. It's got that reggae, uh, reggae variation to the beat. So the yeah. the it's almost like the upbeat and the downbeat are almost transposed in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know how to explain it technically, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of. I think what happened was, uh, reggae musicians back in the early days were listening to AM radio coming out of Florida. And the radio signal bounced off of the ocean. So the the uh, drum section when it was replayed on the radios on the mm -hmm. island of Jamaica, it had a distorted effect. And the timing was different than how mm -hmm. it was originally produced. And that's how that reggae kind of almost oh. offbeat. But anyways, that's that's another divergence. Yeah. Um, Keith Moon is a drummer for The Who. He yep. also died young. He was a real showman. He would tear his piece apart, tear his kid apart at the end of a uh -huh. set. He was kind of a wild man, but he was a very good drummer. <laughs> um, Nick Mason, Pink Floyd, mm. another excellent mm -hmm. timekeeper. Yeah. Really, really precise. Really precise yep. drummer. Someone else, if you watch him, just never gets excited. Uh, these British drummers are like that. Yeah. Another British drummer, uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. uh, great drummer. Same thing. Just, just like a metronome. Just... Yeah. Um, let's see here. What else I got? Um, got anything to add to anyone you're thinking about? Uh, no, I, I wanted to add a story, but you were talking about uh, drummers getting so carried away that they had to replace their drum heads. Um, just mm -hmm. a kind of a side story. My father used to like to go out dancing, and when he was out with my mother dancing at a, a Louis Armstrong venue in uh, in Minnesota, Louis Armstrong's drummer, Danny uh, Barcelona, mm -hmm. uh, played the drum so hard that they kept having to come in and replace the drum heads for him wow. because it was so uh, so loud and rambunctious. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of those early drummers were influenced by, uh, by drugs to a certain extent, and they had to have that to keep that energy going. And uh, I suppose they, they suggested that it uh, sort of uh, peaked their uh, their creative ability, but I think it was just to give them the energy to keep going for a whole three, four hours at a time. Mm -hmm. But um, that was another drummer that was obviously very talented. Uh, also, I think be, I think someone that's understated is a Ventures drummer. Mm -hmm. The Ventures were really, they had so many good hits, but the drummer was... Um, especially if you listen to their, their hit Caravan, who's really uh, a good drummer. So, uh, worth mentioning, anyways, Adventures. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Louis Armstrong was, his drummer was part of a jazz movement, as was Louis Armstrong. So, uh, I think he was probably influenced by, um, by, uh, Krupa. Jean Krupa. I also want to add, uh, my grandma's here too, so she might have a little bit of, you know, input. <laughs> Strictly as a, in a producing capacity though, right? Yep. Yeah, producing. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to the kind of list I had, I mean, um, uh -huh. kind of covered a lot of the classic rock guys and the yeah. British guys, which mm -hmm. um, I, I think we have to net mention Neil Peart. Neil Peart just died recently and was um, um. Rush's drummer. Oh. And Rush is kind of known as the musician's band. Mm -hmm. Very technical. I like Rush. Hard to listen to for long periods of time because Geddy Lee's voice is so high-pitched. It kind of uh, mm -hmm. grates on you after a while. Yeah. Neil Peart, uh, anyone who's interested, just go type in Neil Peart in Google, hit images, and a picture of his drum kit will come up. And it's ridiculous. If Your standard drum kit's five-piece. Mm -hmm. His is probably 30. Wow. It's it's cage it's a cage. It's, yeah, it's, it's, he's, wow. he's he's like an island sitting in the middle of this uh -huh. massive. I don't I, on a personal level. I don't like Neil Peart as a person. I got to respect him his ability to play drums. But I thought his relationship with his fans was a little. Um, 
you know, holier than thou and kind of he just in, in, a jerk yeah. in a lot of ways but I, I i don't want rush fans to get mad at me and come beat me up <laughs> yeah. but they would have to get out of their mom's basement and go out in the sunshine to find me so that's not likely to happen yeah and, yeah you know, rush, fans are, <laughs> rush fans are typical <laughs> um, um anyways <laughs> and then um something i would uh, a couple more i'd like to mention just kind of go through the list Stuart cope when he was drummer for the police mm-hmm. american drummer for the british band Fantastic drummer. Uh, the police had the punk roots, but then they went into that kind of reggae rhythm that the police are famous for. They mm-hmm. kind of fused rock and yeah. reggae. Uh, fantastic drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Stan Lynch, he was Tom Petty and Heartbreakers' original drummer. He had a real... Um, he just had his own style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, um, it's kind of hard to... Hard to uh, Hard to describe or put put into descriptive words, but you know, you listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and it's a band of musicians, and you know that their drummer is going to be a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Speaking of which, Dave Grohl, who that. was the drummer for Nirvana. That's what I was going to talk about. I was thinking about him. Yeah. Okay. So he was a drummer for Nirvana when um, uh, Nirvana broke up because Kurt Cobain uh, shot himself. Yeah. Um. Tom um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Offered Dave Grohl a position in their band as a drummer. Really? So that is how good of a, da- a drummer Dave Grohl is. Wow. Dave Grohl is another one of those guys that started off in the punk scene, I think, mm-hmm. in, in the D.C. area. And punk drummers are good. Uh, it takes takes a lot of energy. And typically in a punk band, the only person who knows what they're doing is a drummer. Uh, no one else can even figure out how to play their instrument. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, you look at, you look at a, a band like The Clash. The musician in The Clash was the drummer, Topper. I forget his last name. Great drummer. He was the musician. Uh, I don't want to say the same for for for. Um, um, hmm. We just talked about him. Something. Kurt Cobain's band. Uh, Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> uh, because both everyone in that band knew what they were doing. But, yeah. Uh, so Dave Grohl started his own band, Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and recorded every instrument on that first album. He played every instrument on that first album. Wow. Now, Dave Grohl's drummer now in the band Foo Fighters is Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Another fantastic drummer. A uh, lot of energy. Really, really technical. Very good at what he does. Also a real musician. Yeah. Uh, someone we need to talk about uh, is Ginger Baker. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the band Cream? Yeah. That was Eric so. Clapton's band. The first super group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ginger Baker. Uh, he was. He kind of had this... Um, Style where he fused jazz, Western drumming with African beats, mm. and, okay. and he he kind of he kind of um, was a little bit of a a pioneer in in, in rock drumming in the late sixties, mid mid to late sixties, and he had a career as a musician for many years after that. I think he died just a few years ago too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. I like him. I like to watch him play because he's so fast. Yeah. It's almost like you can't see his hands move. Wow. And to be that fast and that precise is pretty impressive in my opinion. Lars Ulrich from Metallica, he's kind of a douche nozzle, but um, he's, he can play the drums. <laughs> um, it's just kind of like um, Meg White, White Stripes, mm-hmm. Jack White's wife. Yep. Yeah, she could play. She had this real she, kind of... Is she in the band? Well, or no. she was. Yeah, she, she was, was. She was the drummer. Wow, yeah. I didn't know. Well, that. She's got this real kind of primal style of play mm-hmm. that that seems to fit with his his music really well, and she's fun fun to hear, listen to. Yeah, um, that's cool. Let me see. Where am I? Kind of jump on all over. <laughs> One of my favorite drummers. So this is kind of where it comes down to who's my favorite drummer, and I know this is kind of going to be an unconventional answer. It's Frank Beard from ZZ Top, and it's just because he's got this X factor. He doesn't do anything particularly well, but he does everything great. And he, um, he's he got this, like if you listen to Blue Jean Blues, he's mm-hmm. got this shuffle that he plays. And it's just, he's connecting with his band so well. And then you watch him live or watch him play the drums. He's another guy who never gets excited. He's just perfectly calm, you know, just knows what he's doing and doesn't make a big deal out of it. So that leads to my favorite drummer. And I think someone... Um, Who's extremely talented, and anyone can look up on YouTube also and see him play solos. 
he's the antithesis antithesis in my head to Neil Peart with this giant kit is uh, Max Weinberg. He just plays behind a relatively standard kit. Mm -hmm. He was the drummer for the E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen's band. Yeah. He was the band leader for Coco's TV show for many years. What's his name? The redheaded, mm -hmm. little tall, ginger, funny guy. What's his name? Um, Conan O'Brien. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's just a fantastic <laughs> drummer. Super talented, yeah. really knows what he's doing, and, um, you know, fun to watch and listen to. Yeah. Hey, you know, and, and there's stories, you know, when I was a kid, there's stories about Max Weinberg. Uh, Bruce Springsteen um, puts on three and a half, four hour long sets. When he, uh -huh. So they were mid-70s, 80s, whenever, whenever this happened, Max Weinberg's hands were so messed up from playing that for that long every night we're on this tour they ended up having to tape drumsticks to his hands so he could play so that's kind of wow. kind of cool when you think about how much uh, physical endurance and and mm -hmm. uh, stamina goes into Absolutely. into playing it, it's kind of neat yeah. think about someone who's that dedicated that you have to actually tape drumsticks to his hands so you can finish out the show. Yeah. that's kind of kind of this i think i got it all good yeah i'm sure we're missing a lot <laughs> yeah you know, and this is kind of this list is kind of like my my idea yeah you know like i said this everything's subjective especially in art and music and uh but i, th I think anyone could look at that list and if they're interested in drumming find someone in there who they think is yeah good and fun to listen to yeah and adding now you david you covered a lot of bands that yeah. <laughs> were outside of my area of um, entertainment i skipped several decades but you can't mention drumming without mentioning Santana. Oh, yeah. And his drummer is the Michael Shreve. One of his drummers, he actually had several drummers uh, going all at the same time, syncopated. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, his, uh, the whole, every almost every one of his songs is just uh, beautifully uh, uh, harmony, harmonized drumming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, he, he really deserves uh, credit for being able to bring that many drummers together and to make them uh, sound the way they did. Santana still is still remembered today. Yeah. Is is that the band who did the song um, Black Magic Woman? Yeah. That's literally like that song. I keep listening to it like every day. The drumming, I just love like the yeah. drumming in that song. They got going to talk about that. Santana's got really that good. Afro Afro Cuban or Afro Caribbean influence on Latin drums, however you want to describe it, that, mm -hmm. that he brought into uh, kind of pop pop or modern music in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Really fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> asking. Yeah. So there were a lot of good drummers, but uh, I think there's with my personality, I pick out a few, and that's who I stick with. Um, and I know you like Ringo, and mm -hmm. he's, he he was <laughs> uh, um, a real studious drummer. Yeah, he really fit in well with the band, and I think there was a like a very. Um, He just fit right in with the rest of the Beatles and their ability yeah. to play and complimented. And that's what a drummer should do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A drummer. I mean, the, the days of a drummer being the primary uh, instrument in the band are over. But, but I think he complimented the rest of the um, artists and the rest of the Beatles, and that's why he was so good. So um, You have to be good to get to where people are. Yeah. Like, I think uh, I think you like the the drummer for the Eagles was able to sing and play the drums. Yeah, yeah, wow. absolutely. Time. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of talented talented people out there, and uh, they're appreciated for different styles. But the drums uh, are now an essential part of the band. You can't almost unless you're just playing violins and and just every almost every genre of music has to have some sort of a drummer or beat keeper. So they 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 are under appreciated uh, because they kind of take backstage if you ever even the way they're laid out on a stage when you go to a concert the drummers are usually behind everybody and they're keeping uh, perfect timing and doing a lot more than people give them credit for yeah and if it, and if, <laughs> if, if, if something goes wrong they seem they seem to take all the blame too so the first ones to get kicked Let's off see. the band if <laughs> the producers um, causing mayhem over here Okay, well... <laughs> you break it? No, my phone's... Technical difficulties? Yeah, it keeps, like, shutting off, but it's still recording, I think. But it keeps, like... It looks like I, it is. 
Yeah. Well, this is, we this might is have to re-record the whole well, episode. <laughs> no, this is a one-shot deal. Yeah. Uh, you, you blame the producer for these I, kind of issues. And, <laughs> and, and it's interesting to kind of get a real back history of drumming. It was originally not meant to be part of a band or anything. It was a part of a marching group of soldiers, and they were all... The drummer, drummer's, drummer's job was to keep them walking in lockstep mm-hmm. and uh, kind of drum up their... Uh, enthusiasm to yeah. go into battle and that's how drummers got started uh, and that got added later on to a group and now they're totally essential yeah absolutely i was gonna i was gonna um i was gonna talk about how but well, i think that drumming is a vital part of every every genre every song because even with like jazz you hear drumming er, um with like pop even pop songs you know everything's like digital you still hear a beat, and you still yeah, the, hear like the beats there are usually it's a synthesized beat. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. That 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 time has to be kept somehow. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to like ambient noise and stuff, something that doesn't have that that beat, it it um, you, you understand exactly what a drummer is doing for music mm-hmm. for the listener, most especially. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, that's that's what makes you want to get up and dance. Is that beat? Yeah. You know, if the drummer's hitting the four on the floor, just mm-hmm. kind of boom that tempo. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to get up and start moving. It's, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing really good. Um, so I was going to ask you guys, since you both have played drums before, is it is it very hard to learn how to play drums? Is it? I know it's you have to keep beat, but like, is it? It's 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 hard. It's hard to learn how to hold the sticks and make them do what you want them to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the music comes later, but the first thing is to learn how to, because it, there's two styles of holding drumsticks. One's from the marching band, where your where your left hand that that rides the snare drum is held between your uh, two the middle of your hand, your uh, index finger and your middle finger. That's your index finger right there. Right? <laughs> yes. You're the opposite of your index finger. Booker, yeah. Pick, Booker yeah. picker. Yeah. Flipper off. Dad. Flipper off or ring Dad. finger. Dad. And, and where you put your mafia ring. And your thumb. And, and, the, and you have to be able to play single and double beats off of that. And, uh-huh. and, and get to do a drum roll, your wrist has to really be able to, you have to really be physically talented and in yeah. coordination to do that because you've got to have both hands going together just as fast as they possibly can to, in order to do a drum roll, which is the first thing that a student learns. So... That that comes first, and then maybe David can uh, allude to the more to the timing and musical aspect of it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think initially, drumming may be one of the easier instruments to try to learn, uh-huh. because when you when you like you go take music, if you take drumming in a in a, in a structured learning environment, you're given a, a a pair of sticks and a pad, and you're basically counting. Yeah. And when you're when you're reading your music, you're 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 counting and striking, but it's it's one note. Mm-hmm. It's one note. And it's all about timing. So you're just working on technique. Now you take that and like I when I when I was talking about the drum set earlier, you have to add all this coordination to it, and on top of that, put you into a group with other people who, are, you know, musicians know how no timing innately mm-hmm. they do, but. If you've ever heard a band where the drummer's off a little bit, that sucks, it's, man. It's, it ruins everything. It ruins everything. Yeah. So I think initially, you know, if you want to take up music, learning something about music, I think mm-hmm. drumming's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. There's also this primal aspect to it. It's kind of raw, primal, like like animal from the Muppets, you know? Yeah. Ah, animal start beating on stuff, which is kind of cool, and it's kind of good for a young guy or a young person to get into because it's a good way to release energy and stuff. Absolutely. Now, learning to be a good drummer is difficult. Mm-hmm. Learning to be a great drummer is is impossible. You cannot you can't learn it. Yeah. I think great drummers are born. It's an art. Yeah, I think it's it is. More it's, of, it's more of an in, innate art, yeah. and that's where when we mention the top drummers that have ever existed. It's just something that they can sit down to set drums and play with any band and play make any drum set sound good. And make any band sound good. Yeah, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's art. And, and they know exactly what to do and where to go with it. Yeah. So. yeah they, I, think, I think they understand better than most other musicians. And this is just you know my personal take on it, and I'm biased, obviously, but I think they understand more than a lot of other musicians on a stage how the composition of a song comes together. 
I think they, they have a, a certain viewpoint of it that no one else can really, really... That's true because they're invested throughout the whole song where yeah. you have, might have some other uh, guitars not involved in a particular mm -hmm. you know, yeah. part of the song. Yeah. Or someone else singing and then someone else singing in the background. So mm -hmm. they're involved. They kind the of whole, make it a yeah. cohesive group, hold it all together. Yeah, absolutely. So I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys if you knew if you like any songs that have a really good, um, like beat to it, or like you have a song that has a really good drum solo in it, or you know has really good background drums or whatever. Do you guys? Well, we talked about Wipeout. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That's you showed me that song. Out. Also, if you listen, ever listen to the Creedence Clearwater, heard it through the jungle, they have a really, really mm -hmm. good driving beat. Yep. That's uh, that you can really get lost in. Uh, um, Cashmere. Mm -hmm. Let's up when he's got mm -hmm. that that whole the whole rhythm section of that band during that song is fantastic. It's just brutal and huge and just feels great. Uh, sitting by the dock of the bay. Yeah, quit fidgeting with that. I'm sorry. I told you. <laughs> uh, sitting by the dock of the bay. Uh -huh. you, you actually listen to it. if you're in a position where you can separate that beat from the rest of the song. And I don't know why you'd want to because it's a great song, but the beat's really cool. Um, and. Uh, the Eagle song, um, Hotel California. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I got a good driving beat, and it's very uh, just. The, it, so listen to that song and try to pick out. And if you listen to it like on your Bluetooth headphones on your phone, you're, you may not be able to. Because it's, <laughs> but if you can sit in front of a good stereo system and play uh, Hotel California, pick out the bass line, the bass player. Yeah. Okay, and the way the bass player and the drummer. God, what's his name? The lead, the lead singer and drummer for it's. It, I, I'll get it. He said it. Um, but but them working together. And I think that's another important aspect of drumming is the way the drummer relates to the bass player. There's your basic rhythm section, but there's something about that song, the rhythm, the bass player, the drummer working together in Hotel California, and the uh, the way he emphasizes um, chords. That yeah. other musicians are playing in that song, a yeah, little bit of little bit of like small tom tom or skull, mm -hmm. you know, rolls in there. Phil's Don Henley. Don Henley. Don Henley. Henley. Gosh, yeah. it was there. It just popped up. <laughs> Same time. Yeah, Don Henley's a good good drummer. He's a good drummer. I wouldn't put him on par with like the greatest drummers, but he's a good drummer. Well, this, the fact that he could sing and sing. Yeah. Lead, lead in a song, play the drums at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And not not just lead vocals in any band, but lead vocals in the band that is all about vocals. It's five piece harmony. Yeah, the Eagles five piece harmony that everyone on that band could sing. Everyone in that band could sing. That's why Karen Carpenter gets a, a kudos too because yeah. she she was had a beautiful voice and mm -hmm. was playing played the drums, and drums and a good yeah. drummer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a cool story about Don Henley. You know, they when they mic'd him up, they didn't they had they didn't mic him up. The producer who produced um, Desperado, the Eagles' mm -hmm. first album, didn't mic up Don Henley's drum set because he had worked he had produced a record. Or several records for Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin's drummer was John Bonham. Yeah. John Bonham kicked that bass drum so hard that they didn't have to mic him in the studio. Wow. Don Henley was like, after the record was done, he's like, hey, please mic me up. You can't hear my bass drum. The guy's just kick harder. He's like, well, I, I'm not John Bonham. I can't kick that. Hard. Yeah. John Bonham hit hard. He's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of famous for just beating the tar out of his kid. I mean, he was really good. I was thinking, he was powerful. He was a powerful drummer. I think that's why a lot of people appreciate him, but he's also musical. Yeah. Very musical. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, Buddy Rich is one. We mentioned Buddy Rich. We did. We talked yeah. about the he was one. He was on the, he was in the same school as uh, the old school. He was he made the drums. He had his own band called yeah. Buddy Rich. Band. Uh -huh. And uh, he, was, he was great. I have a dim, uh, drum solo if you want to hear it. You want to put it on your podcast or you want to hold off on that? Sure, if you want to. Yeah, play it for a few seconds. Yeah. Hold the speaker up to this. <laughs> Our producer left the room, so. Yeah, she's gone. I need that, but. Anyway, did you want it? It's gone. I can't see it, but it's just so fast. Yeah. At the same time, composed. Where's the audience? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's making the uh, that's making the drum an, an actual solo instrument, and you can see you 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 can't see, but you can hear how hard he's working because he's got all. But he's got both feet and both hands going all yeah. over the same. The At the same time, he's keeping the same beat and varying the the tempo, and, and he's varying the, the, the pitch of the by, by means of using yeah. a different drum. What I think was impressive was like he's not only going fast, but he's also keeping it. It sounds great yeah. while he's doing it. Just yeah, it's precise you know. and melodic. Yeah, and it made made listening to a drummer exciting. I mean, yeah, no one would ever think of that before. Yeah, but he's mm -hmm. he was fantastic. Absolutely. Good times. Yeah. Good, good times. Good times. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to go into our segment? Do so you guys want sure. to say anything else? Or? I, I think we got her. Yeah, I think we did I pretty good. did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I was, we hit all the points I was going to talk we, about. So So we got it. So we were ready for another beer then, right? No. You know, um, <laughs> I, I got my first C19er shot today. c 19 And the nurse told me I needed to stay hydrated. Oh, so, so we need another beer. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Beer break. Beer break. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back from our beer break. Um, yep. <laughs> so we're going to do our segments now. So our first segment, we have the one where you choose which uh, cover of a song you like better. And so last time we had You Really Gotta Hold On Me by Smokey Robinson or the Beatles. Guess which one won? All right, well, the Beatles won. Yep. <laughs> um, they won. But... I Smokey had that soul going on, yeah. man. Just, yeah, I know. I was going to talk to you. Um, That's what we have talked to me. I don't Everyone's entitled to their <laughs> no, no, no. wrong opinion. I was going <laughs> to say, I don't think it's about who's better, really. It's about who people like more. You know what I mean? Just kind of... Beatles are a huge band, and everybody's like, oh, the Beatles. Just like... Yeah, Beatles are... Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, but, but... Are we going to fight? No, we're not going to fight. We're not going to fight. It's, like I said... <laughs> Everybody is entitled and is, is uh, free to be incorrect. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Exactly. I like the Beatles, and the Beatles did a good job on that. Yeah. But it's missing something. Yeah, I guess. And that something is so I think it's, yeah. Smokey Robinson had, right, Mom? Mm hmm. No? <laughs> well, you're a Beatles freak, so you know, your opinion don't count. Uh, so, <laughs> this episode, we have the song Proud Mary by CCR or Tina Turner. Tina who? Tina Turner. Who Turner? Tina, Tina Turner. Turner. Who who? <laughs> Tina Turner. There's only one version of Proud Mary. Mm -hmm. CCR. I have to... Proud... No, Tina Turner. Yeah. Papa, what do you think? Hey, producers are supposed to talk. Yes, yeah, CCR. Oh, my God. So it's two to two, you guys. So I'll have our voters vote on the, my have Instagram page. Have you ever page. seen Tina Turner do that? Have you ever and heard? The, and the deep voice is like of that CCR guy. CCR do that? Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to take anything from Tina Turner. Anything mm -hmm. away from yep. Tina Turner. She's great. Mm -hmm. But there's something about CCR that, yeah. you know, yes, but that particular song calls to my blue collar here, roots. Here's my thing CCR, great band. I love that band. Mm -hmm. um, better than great. One of the best. They were better than the Beatles. I th oh. <laughs> okay, all the parts by, that you talk by, in by my show, while, they're right? cut out. That's it. <laughs> you know, there's no papa and dad, it's just dad. That's just kidding. They, they, they weren't the original performers of I Heard It Through the Grapevine either, but they did that song much better than the they're, original. They're not? No. No. Well, then, oh, cool. So they, they were great. That's it. Okay. What's I more, think. What's the matter, I think it's. <laughs> okay. My yeah, they're good. No, no. Uh -uh. Read live. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't. I'm not used to my. She's being mocked so right? It's like she's <laughs> covering her face in shame. Like, what a couple of idiots. I know. It. <laughs> well, I'm used to that, but not in regards to our. And this is horrible. Opinions. Like I said before, I present my opinion as fact. You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> I know What's, you do say that. I was going to say, I think CCR is more um, rock band, just like, you know, you know what I mean? I don't think they have the voice for Tina for no, um, no well, primary. It, it wasn't. It's more of like a Motown kind of upbeat uh, song, and the CCR doesn't have. Yeah, that. well, CC, kind of, you gotta understand where CCR is coming from. CCR is the Creedence Clearwater Revival is the working man's blue collar mm -hmm. answer to the counterculture of the late '60s. And Dad could speak to that. They were a East Bay area band. These guys just came up from nowhere. Uh, played good music and fantastic musicians. Mm -hmm. Really knew their way around their, their instruments. And the way John Fogarty sings, he, 
To this day, uh, man. To this day, he's he's got for a white man, he's got one of the better voices. <laughs> he's got that grit, you know, that kind of. And there's a blue collar element to their um, exactly the, the industrial element, and that and it, and it traces back to even my roots in Redwood City. The Bay Area was a different place back in the uh, '60s, and it was pretty gritty. I mean, there's even a song about San Francisco in gritty, hot and gritty, mm -hmm. hot San Francisco nights. You ever hear that song? I don't think so. You would probably know it. I thought music was yeah. your jam. I, it is my jam. So really, you'll come across it one of these. Um, oh, yep. <laughs> so that's that one segment um, that took longer than it should have, but you know, almost got in a fight with my family. It's all right. And so okay, we're good. It's all good. What's next? I'm not mad. Um, so, <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> uh, we're going to do. You can edit that, right? <laughs> I know you did. The, the, this segment's been brought to you by Blue Moon. <laughs> you guys, this is a train wreck. Oh my gosh. It's not a train wreck. This is fun. Come on. This is, I know. Everything's fine. This is, <laughs> Everything's fine. This is, this is endearing and charming. Believe okay. it. Okay, so our next segment is going to be good songs to drive to. And so you guys want to give me your input on that real quick. Do you want me to pick a, my, one of my favorite songs to drive to? Yeah. One of my favorite songs to drive to. I do a lot of driving, believe it. Yep. Is uh, Well, there's, there's two I'd have to say that are really, when I'm like <clears throat> starting to fade and I need to, I need to get home. Amp yep. Up. Yeah. It's uh, R.E.M., Using my religion, and the reason I like that song for I like it period, but for driving is it's almost like the whole thing's a chorus. It's got the mandolin and the way he sings it, he just goes, yeah. it starts and it doesn't stop. And then um, David Bowie's China Girl, mm -hmm. he's got that same thing, that awesome driving bass line. David Bowie really brings his voice into about halfway through the song, he really starts to let it go, and it's like all right, and, yeah. and then. Um, uh, the guitar solo. It was done by uh, that guy. Anyways, that guy. Uh, I remember when we're done. But okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Before before we have any other talking, I'm gonna do some shout outs. Wait. What about their driving? I will. But oh, after, okay. we got we got. I'm gonna get this. Right, we're shooting out for my people. Right? I am. Dad, I know what. I'm, hey, it's your show. I understand. Okay, so we got a shout out to Cameron, our dude. Cameron Hill. Calvio, our dude. Mm, don't know him. I did. <laughs> Um, so he gave me the song Never Die by Golden Rules and the song Busy Burning by Jungle. I haven't listened to those, um, but they sound good. That's what he, he, Cameron, he had, he has a very good, um, it's going to have sense of taste, but it's taste of music. I think he's, you know, very developed in that area. All right. What's he, what, all right, what is that? No, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking I, at me like, oh, I'm saying something wrong. No, you're fine. Okay. And then we have another... Shout out for Jasmine Barthlow. We know her, too. We do? Yep. You do. That wasn't a question. We do. We yeah. do. <laughs> uh, she gave me the song Above the Clouds by Sublab. And then my friend Bryn Letty, she gave me, she sent me a whole playlist of songs. And so I picked one that I liked. Um, it's called Cigarette Daydreams by Cage the Elephant. You I, might, know, I know Cage the Elephant. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't think I've heard that song, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the shout-outs. Uh, Papa, you want to give us your favorite songs to drive to? Any, any song from the Ventures is good to drive to. It's got a driving beat. Yeah. Sp particularly a caravan, which goes on for like 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's a real long song. They're not the only one that performed it, but uh, they have a really good version of it, and there's a lot of drums involved with it. So uh, that. And then what's that one, uh, uh, Boney Maroney? Boney oh, Maroney. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that song. That song. <laughs> driving beat. Yeah. So, yeah. Like well, it's in my head now. I don't know what it is, but it's in my head. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. No. Okay. Yeah, Grandma. Uh, Dad. What's she, your favorite driving song, Grandma? She, I'm sorry. Phantom I'm of the Opera. I think it's pretty. Off. Exactly. I remember. I this is actually. I actually love. I like those songs because when I was little and I would go to California to visit, you know, my grandparents, um, she would play that every time I went to Walmart. 
and that's like a core memory of mine every time. I thought, and I would sit in the back seat and sing along with it. And it's what I thought, I thought the show was about music, though. As it, it is music, oh. Dad. What's your? Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just funning you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is this is good. This is good. Okay, so. What my favorite songs are, this is, you guys can, don't make fun of me, please. Okay. We will. No. <laughs> so I like No Particular Place to Go by Chuck Berry. Oh, that's a good song. That's it. I love that song. Um, Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Good song to drive to. They weren't the original, though. No, they, no. they weren't, no. Okay. Just saying. Just, I, you ever notice all the best songs are covers? Oh, my God. Not true. Okay. Okay. Um, anyways. Especially when they cover Buck Owens. Act naturally, kid. Yep. Right. Okay. Um, Black Magic One by Satana. Or say, what is it? Santana. 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 I can't speak Santana, English, Santana. you guys. That's Spanish, Santana. so uh, you're yeah, so- out of excuses. <laughs> um, Little Green Badge. Just a, just a disclaimer by- on Santana. It's not to be confused with Sat- Satan or Satana. It's Santana is actually the guy's last name. Oh. Because there was some... Carlos. Yeah, Carlos Santana. Hmm. And he was a brilliant musician. And his old band was brilliant. But somebody years ago that we knew who were just coming into the, well, they were coming in and learning the Bible. They thought it was associated with Satan, but it's not. It's the guy's last name. Satan. It's actually yeah. a, a kind of a, a bridged Santa Anna. Yeah. Not to yeah. get pedantic, but it's Santa yeah. Anna as in, you know, General Santa Anna. Who, yeah. Yeah. So Santa Anna. Santa Anna. Saint Anna. Yep. Okay. And nice. I was also going to say. I was also gonna say "Little Green Bag" by George Baker Selection. We played that song. That's a good song. Yeah, um, I was. Oh Lord, um, I just want to be your everything by Andy Gibb. You, I tried playing that for you, and you didn't like it. I, but it, Cozy loves that song. I played well, it for her. There's your, there's your problem right there. Uh, <laughs> and also, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit to this. You know this. Um, I just remember Top Gear did do a thing where they did the best driving song, uh-huh. and. <laughs> Richard Hammond had them play a song for them and it's it's called I Like the Way by the Body Rockers and I'm just gonna tell you it's a really good song okay so I think it's a really good song to drive to you not just because that's what they think but it's actually a good song I actually listen to it and I play it almost every day it's just a great song so there you go <laughs> so that's what, I was, that's what I think about that I don't think you've heard it before, have you? I have not, but I'll listen to it. I, I, I may have heard it. I just couldn't say that I have. Just yeah. Just the title. But. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think we did pretty good. I really appreciate you guys coming on my podcast. Um, Dad, would you do me the honors and do the outro for me? Sure. Thank you for listening to Music Is My Jam, where we talk everything music, because music is everything.